Happy New Year, everybody. Good morning. How many of you stayed up past midnight? Who, who like, was like, man, it's just another year, and you slept, like, you went to bed early? Okay, I'm jealous of you guys. Anybody stay up past one? Anyone, two, three? Anybody's just, like, going, like, all-nighter, no sleep? No one's, no one went that hard. All right, well, maybe next year. Um, yeah, happy new year. Uh, I, I'm tired. I was up. I stayed up till 12.01, and I said, okay, I did it. I can go to bed. I participated in the cultural celebration of forgetting to write a seven instead of a six this year. Um, so as we, as we start this new year and as, as we start uh, today's message, it's a big theme for the year, this time of year, is, is hope. Hope for something new, hope for something better this year compared to last year. Some say that 2016 is the worst year ever. I think that's ridiculous uh, and just maybe trendy and cool to say. Um, but so today's message, though, the goal is that we can all walk away from here hoping better and really hoping deeper than maybe we normally do on a regular basis to take 2017 and have deeper hopes by, by looking at our regrets maybe of 2016 or the regrets we have in our life um, and recognizing them and releasing those regrets and then ultimately having those regrets redeemed. And when we do that, we'll be able to hope deeper. And so that's kind of where we're going and what we're looking at today um, is, is getting deeper in our hopes by looking at our regrets. But let's pray first before we head any further. God, we just thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for uh, a new day um, to just start fresh and ho hopefully know you more. God, I pray you bless this time together as we just uh, tr do our best to grow closer with you and, and hopefully as well uh, with each other in this community here at Olive Branch. God, thank you for your love. It's your name we pray. Amen. So it's a new year, which means we talk about New Year's, not resolutions, regrets. Uh, no, but we do talk about resolutions. Um, I want to, I'm curious, how many of you have made a resolution or a hope statement, something you're hoping for this year? You got, I want to hear yours, man. What's your hope, hope statement this year? Yeah. Not make, congratulations, but the problem is you've already failed at doing that. So it's okay. Most people fail within the first, first couple of days, so more will join you soon. Anybody else? Who else is? <laughs> that's awesome. Who else is? Yeah, you got one? What's your, what's your New Year's resolution? What do you hope for? What do you hope for this year? It's a secret. All right, that's fine. It's all right. I'll keep mine a secret too, because then no one knows if you don't do it. Uh, who, I want to hear a couple more. Who else has a, what do you hope for this year? Yeah. To write, there you go. That's a good one. Plain, simple, and yet at the same time, probably will fail at that multiple times. I know I will. Exercise, yeah, that's huge. I think that's on mine, um, but I will probably forget to do that. Or I'll just say that like walking to my bed and the TV is exercise. Um, yeah, so we all make these, these huge um, hope statements every year. Uh, and these resolutions that we make that are these just statements of hope. Um, Paul talks about hope in Romans 8, 23 uh, through 26. Um, says, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And so Paul talks about hope, and he, he mentions a couple of things about it. First, he says, we, we only hope for what we don't have, right? A lot of us were just hoping we would maybe more of the younger people in the crowd, we're just hoping we'd get a specific gift for Christmas, right? There was something you wanted, there was one thing, or if you're like my three-year-old daughter, anything she sees on YouTube or in commercials on TV, she wants it all, right? All these hopes, right? It would be silly, though, is if you got one of those gifts you hoped for, and you opened it, and now you have it, and you continued to hope for it, right? And so Paul kind of points out the obvious, is, is, is we don't hope for what we have, and he talks about how we have this hope that we don't yet have, right? This hope in this next life. Well, he also goes on to say that not only that, but we, we maybe don't always even know what to hope for now in this life, that, that we maybe kind of struggle with. He says, we don't know what to pray for, but luckily we have the Holy Spirit to help us with that. We have the Holy Spirit to, to help us hope. And so how do we get to that place where our hopes become so big that we have to depend on God to fulfill them? That's, that's, that's the ultimate goal, I believe, for, for hope. When we talk about hoping in anything, whether it's what you hope for today, what you hope for this year, or what you hope for your life, what you hope for your relationship, whatever, you know, your job, school, whatever you hope for, the goal is always to, to put that hope in God, first and foremost. And the way we do that is hoping bigger and better starts with our regrets and first recognizing them. I believe that, that to hope bigger or, or to hope deeper, we really have to look at our regrets. And the hardest thing to do with our regrets is to recognize them. Ultimately, I believe our regrets are what cause us to hope right? A regret is, is, is basically a desire to, I mean, we all know like the common definition, which is like, man, I really wish I didn't do or say that thing I did or said. Um, but a bit broader and maybe more simple way to say it is, is a regret is really just a desire to change a painful or difficult circumstance, something that, that's, that's happened or is happening that you just, you wish you could change or something happening in your life or you're in a place in your life that you wish you could change. And to help illustrate this, that, that regrets cause us to hope, um, I have come up with um, America's hopeful 2017 resolutions based on 2016 regrets. So these are, this is the hopes of America for this year. Um, it's a top five list, so we'll work through these together. All right, number five, America hopes the bottle flip challenge becomes a recognized sport by the Olympic, International Olympic Committee, so more of us can be Olympians. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, America hopes this year's viral trend will be easier than the mannequin challenge and results in more creativity than families eating at the dinner table, only to have it ruined by someone moving, usually a pet, a kid watching the camera, or the out-of-touch grandparent that thinks it's just a photo and not a video. Number three, America hopes that going to the zoo won't be a choice between a child's life or Harambe's life, but should we get the pink cotton candy or the blue cotton candy? Yeah, I know, I went there. Uh, number two, America hopes that unfriending social media on social media returns to being over movie taste instead of political posts that involve hashtag feel the burn, hashtag make America great again, and hashtag emails. And America's number one hopeful 2017 revolution based on a 2016 regret is that this year the big social craze will actually involve being social with real people and not trying to catch imaginary animals in little balls. Um, 
And I confess that I have that problem. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's true. Right? And so there, it's playful. And at the same time, too, though, you kind of feel this tension between these statements of regret and hope, the regret from 2016 and hope for New Year. There's this tension between them, something that, that causes you to feel like, oh, I need to take a side or I need to, I, I don't know if, if that was like okay to talk about in church or whatever, right? There's this tension there. And what that tension really is, is the tension is change, which is what regret is. Regret is a, di- a desire to change what we don't desire. That's the simplest way that I could phrase a broad definition of regret. It is this desire to change what we don't desire. Um, one little example uh, that is, is, is uh, who's been skydiving? Anybody in this room been skydiving? There was more in the first service. Apparently, if you're a first service person, you're a skydiving person. Um, so I went skydiving a few years ago. I had the opportunity to go with a student of mine. I was an intern. His sister uh, bought him a skydiving day for his birthday, but she was like, I'm not uh, dumb enough or brave enough, mostly dumb enough, to jump out of a plane, so why don't you do it with him? I'm like, yes, I'll do it. Uh, And so me and one other leader got to go jump out of a plane with this student on his 18th birthday, which was awesome. And um, we get there, we sign up, uh, you know, you, they, they take you to the window, you pay, you sign the release, 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 you know, uh, that you won't do anything wrong. And after you've signed your life away, they take you in and you watch this video. And it's a video of skydiving. And the first 30 seconds are like how awesome skydiving is and how cool it is and amazing. During the plan, it's like you're flying and all this stuff. And the next like four minutes is all the different ways that you could die. And you're sitting here going, wait a minute, like... Like, it's already been paid for. Like, I'm all in at this point. I can't not do this. Like, you know, if I can't, I can't back out first. Maybe if the other guys back out, then I'll back out so they don't feel left out. But like, everything in me wanted to back out. They bring us out after the video of death and introduce us to our skydiving instructors. And uh, my buddy's got some pretty cool skydiving instructors. Now, I'm 6'5", and at the time, I was about 300 pounds because I was a recent football player at the time. So it was like 300, mostly muscle with some protective coating. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and I, they introduced us to our instructors. Now my instructor was like five foot nothing dude, like fresh from Italy. And so I, and like, you can't, you can't jump out of a plane alone your first time. You have to have the instructor on your back. And so we get up in the plane and it's like this huge flight up and I'm like every thousand feet, I'm like panicking more and more and more and regretting my life. And, and he straps in, they have to strap in onto you and, I, and I, he straps in and I, I get to the edge of the plane and in that moment, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I don't want to be here. I was completely regretting the moment I was in and wanted to change. Like I wish I wasn't there. And because of that huge regret, it caused me to hope big. My hope is that I would not die. My hope is that I would stay alive. But as I'm standing there, I hear in the back of my ear, I hear, uh, I oh man, how do you do an Italian accent? Sit down, the lower, please. Uh, that's the best I got. Um, Greg's the man for, for accents and stuff. Right, so I, I'm like, what, huh? And I look back and I look down and my Italian dude was like, his feet are dangling. He was like, he was like my Italian Yoda instructor gonna help me use the force to jump out of the plane. But we jumped out and we were free and it was awesome. And something I, I felt bad is I didn't tell him is that I was so scared in that moment that I literally like probably peed on him. Uh, 
I've always thought that was a figure of speech, um, but apparently you can actually get scared enough that you just lose control of things, and that happens. And I felt bad, but I was so scared and just wanted to change that moment so bad, and my regret in the moment was so big, it caused me to literally hope bigger that I hoped I would live, right? And so we have this, we have this tension between regret and hope and, and this desire to change something that we hope for something better, and we hope for something more. Paul talks about this regret in 2 Corinthians 7, uh, verses 8 through 10. He says, Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. And so as we, as we work through this, this passage in 2 Corinthians, what is Paul's at least second letter and definitely not his first letter uh, to the Corinthians because he mentions in this specific passage, hey, I wrote to you previously and, and I, I hurt your feelings and I regret it. And, and what we kind of see in this is that, well, life with or without God will have regret. Regardless, life with or without God will have pain because he talks about two different kinds, right, of sorrow or really regret. Right? And again, regret is this desire to change an undesired circumstance. And he talks about a godly regret or sorrow or an ungodly regret or worldly regret. So we have these two contrasts. And what's cool is those, he, he starts out with his own example. Like, I regretted not what he said in the letter, but, but how it made him feel. Like, he said some stuff to them that caused them some anguish that caused them some pain, that ultimately caused them regret, and he felt bad about it. He, he, he wished that at the moment, at the time, that, that that didn't happen. But he was glad after the fact, because that regret that they had caused them ultimately to change, caused them ultimately to hope deeper and reach for a new hope, that they could change their ways, that they could change their life, that they could change their heart and change their mindset. And so we have these two regrets, right? Well, worldly regret focuses and holds on to the negative circumstances in our life. Worldly regret um, says, you know what? I have these addictions, but I just, I can't give them up. I don't know what I would do without them. Worldly regret says, I have these bad habits, but I, I can't stop them because I'm so comfortable with them. Worldly regret Acknowledge, might acknowledge sin, but it doesn't want to change it because it's, it's where you're comfortable at. It, it, it hopes that the, the pain caused from those things in our life would go away, but it doesn't actually change. And ultimately, that's, that's what worldly regret is. Worldly regret says, I don't want to change. I, I want to stay the same. I want to continue to just, I'm just going to dwell on, on the negative and the difficult circumstance or hardship that life has faced me with right now. Be it something that, that you decided, that you caused, or someone else caused, or just the result of living in a fallen world. It says, you know what, I, I just, I, I just, I don't want to change, I can't change. I'm going to, I'm going to remain bitter towards these people that have wronged me. I won't seek reconciliation or, or offer forgiveness and mercy and grace. 
I just, I'm just going to remain bitter and let these relationships stay the way they are because they've wronged me. I regret the pain they caused me, but I do not want to let go of that. I want to hold on to it. I don't want to change this pain. Whereas godly regret doesn't dwell on the bad circumstances and instead says, you know what, I, I, I want to be changed. I want a changed heart and I want a changed mindset. For me, my, my real first genuine experience with having godly regret was when I moved to Arizona um, in 2005, a year after I graduated high school, I moved to Arizona and I made that decision um, very thoughtfully and carefully intoxicated in a hot tub at 12 in the afternoon in the middle of summer. And, and because I was with some friends who were from Arizona and my life situation at that point in time, the bad habits, the sin, the, the struggles, all the regret I had in my life at that time, I didn't want to change. But they were causing me pain and causing me anguish and causing me regret. I knew something had to happen, but I didn't want to change. So I thought, I'll just change my environment. I'll move to Arizona. It's a great idea. The Valley of the Sun, where everybody burns. Uh, and so I moved to Arizona and I get there and shocker, two months later, all those issues, they didn't stay in California because it wasn't California that was the problem. It was me that was the problem, but I didn't want to change. And so a couple months after I moved there, I, I overdosed and it was in the hospital asking God to keep me alive that, that I, I said, God, I, I need a changed heart. I need a changed mindset, but I don't know what it means to be a Christian. I need you to show me what that looks like because I have no idea what that looks like. And so help me to change. Uh, we get this great glimpse of a, of a biblical example from David in Psalm uh, 51, 10 through 12. He says in, a, in this Psalm uh, of David, it says, uh, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. What I love about this song or, or, or really this, this, this prayer um, is, is you see in David that, that he has regret and that he recognizes the regret and in that he's releasing it. And, and what I basically mean by that, he's saying, I'm, I'm not going to hold on to this anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to just continue to regret where I'm at, which we all know, like, you know, stories of David, right? Obviously, great king and slayed the giant. But in this particular instance, what he's likely, what's likely being referred to in his life is the fact that he s stole his friend's wife and had his friend killed, you know? And that's... It's a pretty difficult thing. That's a big regret in someone's life. And it's a difficult circumstance. And what I love is he says, you know what, like you see in his prayer that he can't necessarily change what he did, but he can change his heart. Or he can, really, he can ask God to change his heart and ask for forgiveness and ask for a new mindset and a desire to move on in a difficult circumstance. He releases it and completely lets go. You see, deeper hope only comes when we release the regret to God. We have to release it. And so this morning, we're going to kind of symbolize that a little bit. Um, you have 
you have papers uh, on here, all right, on your seats or around your seats or whatever, and it's a regret column and a hope column, and it has instructions for paper airplanes. Before you make a paper airplane, or if you're just like, I don't want to fold paper because I'm not good at it, then make a SoCal snowball and crumble it up, but not yet. Wait till you're done. But I want you to write your regrets. In other words, the things in your life that you would like to change because they're painful, difficult, and maybe it's sin in your life, maybe it's things you've done or said, or maybe it's just stuff from this past year, and I want you to write the hopes in those things, hopes that, that, that only God can fulfill for those things. Go ahead and start writing those now, um, but something about this is that I believe this is, this is what separates Christ followers and believers from those who don't know Christ, from those who, who choose not to give their lives to Christ, is this moment in our lives. It's to say, you know what, I, I acknowledge that I'm, not, that I'm not a perfect person. I acknowledge that, that I'm broken and I'm messed up, but I need to seek forgiveness in that. I need to release that. It's one thing to recognize our regrets because anybody in this world, anybody who's ever lived or lived long enough will at some point say nobody's perfect, right? Like that's not just a Christian thing. Like everybody knows that, man, there's just something wrong with all of us. There just is. The difference between a Christ follower and someone who doesn't know Christ is that they, they give that shortcoming they give that falling short or they give that sin and they release it and they ask God, they, they invite God into it and understand that they need God's forgiveness for change to happen, that they need God to step in and forgive them and change them. I, that's the big difference in, in those who know God and those who don't. And to be honest with you, that was something that I had to learn as I got back into church because after I gave my life to Christ, when I overdosed or gave my life back to God after I overdosed, I, I knew that I had to be in church and I thought, finally, I'm going to get it right. Life's going to be so much easier because I'm going to go to church because Jesus, since you're perfect and in church, that's about you. That means everybody in there is perfect and their life is perfect and there's nothing wrong with any of them at all. And life's going to be fantastic and butterflies and rainbows and Christmas lights on the ceiling. It's going to be beautiful, Right? Obviously, that's not true. <laughs> I walked into the church, man, I was disappointed. I'm like, God, really? These are your people? Like, this is what I signed up for? Really? I'm like, man, even the pastor's got issues. What's good? Like, like you're the, the people you choose to lead your people, like, seem to be the most messed up, actually. Like, they've done the worst sometimes. And, and I was shocked, and I, and, and I learned that, man, the only difference is that, you know, outside of the world, there's regret, or outside of a relationship with God, there's regret, but we just hold on to those things and we don't seek change. We don't seek that deeper hope. We don't seek for ourselves to really be changed and our heart to be changed, to be made completely new and different. And in the church, we do seek that. <laughs> but we still mess up. Like, we're still not even really that great at that, but it's at least our desire, right? We still fail and we still stumble and we still have regrets, as Paul as we looked at in Romans, that there are regrets with or without God. But with God, we can release those regrets and give them to him, and which is what we're about to do. But as I think about this idea of releasing what's holding us back, releasing what holds our thoughts captive and, and holds our, our actions hostage and our mindset hostage of, and, and even our relationships and not seeking reconciliation, what holds our regrets is 
is this image, I don't know if it's an actual science experiment that happened, but it's one that I read about, which doesn't make it true, uh, is a monkey with a coconut. They take a coconut and they give it to the monkey and there's a hole just big enough for the monkey to get his hand into the coconut. Like, can squeeze it in and he's in. His hand is in the coconut, right? And in the coconut, there's uh, like a seed or fruit or something or a toy that he wants or she, uh, that he or she monkey wants to have. But when they grab that thing, they make a fist and they can no longer fit their hand out of the coconut, the hole in the coconut. It won't get out. They're stuck. And that monkey will not let go of the thing in the coconut until the pain of the coconut on their hand is greater in their mind than the pain of letting go of that prize that's in there. And the same holds true in our life. We, we, we don't, whoops, I forgot. Again, I don't have a slide. We don't, <laughs> change until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. We, we will hold on to these things that hold us back. We will focus on the negative and we will hold on it and, and really stick to this idea of worldly regret until it's just so painful to us that you know what, as painful as change will be, where I'm at is more painful. And honestly, like it took the pain of literally almost dying for me to change to say, you know what, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to let go of all this stuff in my life, and I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to release it, and I'm going to stop. So that's what we're going to do now. And so if you haven't already written your list or, you know, write as much as you can, regrets and hopes, and, and fold it into whatever kind of paper or plan you want, there's instructions on there, and snowball. And on the count of three, you're going to chuck it. Okay, last service, they all threw it at me. I don't know if they just didn't like something I said or what. Uh, so throw it, like, around the room, at each other. If one, you can throw it at me, that's fine. Uh, Cover your eyes, be careful. Um, this is the part the kids have been waiting for. Um, you can fold it in a paper plane, or again, if you just want to make a snowball, which is what I'll do, because I'm not in snow enough, um, and, and take it on the count of three, we're going to chuck these out, all right? You guys ready? Okay, if you're not, then afterwards, just kind of after the service, just kind of throw it somewhere and pretend like you did. All right, ready? I'm going to count down from three. Three, two, one, then we'll throw. All right, ready? Three, two, one, throw. Chuck it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about where that just hit me. Uh, it's just some moments, you know, you just, oh, wow, that was amazing. Holy cow. I have a new Olympic hope that making pair for airplanes and throwing them makes it into the IOC. All right, sweet. Watch out. Um, so it's a, silly, it's, a, it's a silly image, right? It's, it's a silly thing, and it's mostly just fun for the kids and us uh, to be able to throw a paper at each other. Um, but at the same time, it's significant. It's huge to be able to let go of these things that are holding us back, to be able to say, you know what, I have these things that I've done, or, or I have these situations in my life that I regret, and I'm not going to let them hold me hostage anymore. Maybe you, you wrote down hardships of, of just brokenness in the family or divorce, your divorce, someone else's divorce, a friend's, whatever. And you can't necessarily change that, but maybe you can hope for a new mindset and new heart and how to handle those relationships and those situations. Maybe, maybe it's the way you treat people. Maybe you bully people or whatever. And you might think bully, that only happens on the playground, right kids? No, we bully nonstop. It doesn't, it doesn't ever stop. We're always struggling with our own insecurities and wanting to tear other people down to make ourselves feel better. 
yeah, it starts on the playground, but all, most of last year it happened on social media for adults, right? Based on, on what someone else says. So maybe your hope is that you can be more loving and encouraging towards others. Whatever your hopes are, there's for every regret that you might have in your life today, there's a hope for it. And, and that deeper hope comes from God. And the last step of getting from a place of, of a regret to a place of deep hope is redeeming that regret. And the best part is, is that that's not on you, all right? God does that. God's the one who does the redeeming. And, and uh, Titus 2, 11 through 14. Sorry. Titus 2, 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. In other words, recognizing the regrets. While we wait for the blessed hope appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, releasing it to be saved, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify us, or to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. It's this idea of redemption. To be able to redeem the difficult circumstance or regret that you have in your life. The idea to redeem and change the thing that you can't change on your own. Redemption is a, a word that biblically is used in, in the context of purchasing a slave's freedom. And so it's this idea that the, what holds you back, what regrets you have, the things that cause you pain in your life, when you release that to God, he redeems them. He sets you free. They no longer dictate and control your life. For me, it was, honestly, last week was probably the time I was hoping the most based on regret. And to be completely vulnerable and honest, um, my wife's job hasn't been all that awesome for her since she's been here. There's a lot of promise in it, but at the same time, it's been a lot of pain. And last week, um, being away from our friends and, and church family in Arizona during a holiday season was really difficult. And we were really missing them a lot. Um, and there's a huge part of me that, that, that really wanted to be back there, that misses it. And this is like... I'm just, you know, trying to be as open and honest and vulnerable with you guys as possible. Man, if it wasn't so clear that, like, all the branches where God wants us, like, last week I would have left. Because the regret and pain of, of being away from people you've poured into for 10 years and has poured into you for 10 years, that was hard. And, you know, holiday season, sometimes you miss your family, and it's not always blood that makes family. And so it was difficult. And so this year I hope... I hope this year that, that I have relationships here with everybody that are deep, that are huge, people that know every bit of my life and that I know every bit of theirs so that we can pray for each other, and especially students. So obviously that's my heart and that's why I'm here. But to be able to just, just do life and be authentic and real, that students can know what's going on in my life and I can know what's going on in theirs so we can pray for each other and help each other stay close with God in our life and continue to give, thank you, and continue to give God these regrets and allow him to give us hope and be the source of our hope. And so 
this year as you hope and as you make hope statements and resolutions, look at your regrets. Look at the, the circumstances that you would like to change and, and bring God into them. Recognize them, release those to God and allow him to redeem him. Allow God to have control over your life and not your regrets. Let him set you free from your regrets. Don't allow the bitterness, the difficult circumstance, the broken relationship, your bad habits, your addictions to control you anymore. Instead, let your Savior, let God love control you. It's my prayer for us this year as we seek to hope deeper, is to seek to get our hope from him. Let me pray. God, we just thank you so much for a new day. We thank you so much for new relationships. God, we thank you that that honestly, that life isn't always easy, that it isn't always butterfly and rainbows. God, we thank you for the hard times because we know those are the times that, that build our character. God, we just pray that you help us to stay close to you in those times. God, that we don't dwell on the regrets, God, but that we would release them to you and let you do the work. God, that we would ask you for the forgiveness and let you change our lives, God, and change our hearts and change our minds and redeem us and take what we feel is completely messed up and ugly, God, and make something totally beautiful out of it. God, thank you for loving us no matter what. It's your name we pray. Amen.